Hey, I'm Dr. Daniel. And I'm Dr. Josiah, and this is Life with the Hackbees. And today's episode, episode four, is the protocol that made all the difference. So last episode, we talked about our postpartum experiences and how they were different after each pregnancy and birth. And that wasn't just by chance. It wasn't because we just got lucky after we had such a terrible one that we happened to have better ones each time. There was a lot of intention that went into that second pregnancy and for sure the third pregnancy. It'd be nice if it just got better on its own. You didn't have to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Statistically, (laughs) that doesn't usually happen because there's something called postnatal depletion. Mm. And essentially all of the... Your baby gets what your baby needs from you. At your detriment. And you are the one left with a deficit. And so unless you are very intentional in rebuilding your nutrient store postpartum, um, there's one doctor that he is finding in his clinic, it's taking seven to 10 years to get back to where you were before pregnancy. Dang. That's a long time. And most people are not waiting seven to 10 years between pregnancies. We didn't. (laughs) No, we didn't. And... (laughs) We just now have and a seven-year-old. We just have a seven-year-old. And three other kids, so. Mm-hmm, that's true. And so um, it's not that, that the nutrients can't be replenished and restored, but it takes a lot of intention for that to happen. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the difference that we made going into those pregnancies, because with our first pregnancy, there was no preparation. It was just, let's have a baby. And then we did. And then we had that postpartum experience yeah. <laughs> that we talked about last time. So if you want to hear more about that, That's check that out which episode we will not three. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the second one, I had learned more and I implemented changes, um, which Daniel briefly talked about last time, the Schaefer Protocol. And then before our third pregnancy is when we both showed up. We both yeah. said, you know what, we need to be intentional with the preparation for this pregnancy, for this baby. And we had... Ended up being two babies. Two babies, two great babies, a great pregnancy, and then a great postpartum. And so um, that just kind of makes sense when you think about how the genes for those babies, for each baby, 50% comes from mom. 50 from Dan. 50 from Dad. But little did I know until more recently, 60% of the gene expression yes. comes from the dad's DNA. Yes. So how so we have we have the genes that we get from our parents, but then how they behave is also passed down. And more of how dad's genes behave show up in your child versus how the moms. And there's one study that shows that dad's insulin status is passed down to his daughters, which we have four daughters. And so if you have a dad and his blood sugar is diabetic, type 2 diabetes, or pre-diabetic, then his daughters are going to start life out with um, just a higher likelihood that their blood sugar is going to behave in that way. Now, the predisposition. Exactly. Last time we had peregrination. <laughs> now you're going to talk time, about predisposition. predisposition. Yeah, it's just kind of. Don't tell me to define it completely <laughs> for you. 
<laughs> well, it just is your starting point. Yeah. And the, the amazing things about gene expression, because we know from the science of epigenetics, is that you're not stuck there. That's where you start. Um, but lifestyle factors determine how those genes act. And so a lot of things that we tend to see that run in a family is because a lot of habits run in a family. Right. And so um, just knowing knowing that, that dad's health 100% matters, especially when you're having daughters, but for all children, because 50% of the genes are coming from him, 50% are coming from me. And Yet, oh, were you going to say something? Oh, well, I was just going to say, what an opportunity for mm. you to break those generational... Um, Cycles. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So. Yes, because the information we're sharing today, you can look at it two ways. You can look doom at and it gloom. What, <laughs> doom and gloom. Thanks, oh. mom and dad. That explains why I'm the way I am. Um, or you can look at it as what an opportunity because the choices you're making today affect your children and your children's children. Like it, The epigenetic impact is huge. And so it's all in kind of what you want to take away from this and how you decide to use this information. Okay. Yeah. So we know that sperm is so important. And so it makes sense that the health of that sperm is so important. Actually, our uh, seven-year-old was just learning about DNA and um, how genes come from mom and dad. And the so oxyribonucleic acid. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which we is what we that. call it in our house. <laughs> right. No. Um, she said, Dad, can you tell me more about deoxyribonucleic acid? <laughs> no, she said, what is the D in DNA? And we were like, hang on. That's di-D something. D <laughs> and I knew it was nucleic acid, but I'm like, I don't, I don't remember the rest. This was 10 years ago, y'all. I passed boards. And the information's important, but yes. you know, I, don't, I remember the acronym. That's that is Dunna. good. Dunna. Dunna. You're Dunna. <laughs> so she Zootopia. <laughs> sponsored, not sponsored by Zootopia. So she asked, or she was telling me that she's learning about DNA, and so I and how it fifty percent, or you get some from dad and mom, and so I posed the question to her: Who do you think it's important from the dad or mom to be healthy before they good, have a baby? Good question. Because the genes are coming from the mom and the dad and it was so obvious she was like both <laughs> I was like, exactly it wasn't a trick question it's not a trick question however there's so much focus just in our society on the woman yeah. so pregnancy because you're the one carrying the baby you're taking a prenatal vitamin you all the focus is on you um and then when there are if there's any issues yeah if there's a miscarriage if yeah. you have fertility struggles then Almost always, this big spotlight is shown on the yeah. woman who is 50% of the equation. And we've heard so many stories about the mom saying, I'm, I feel like I'm doing everything I can. And a simple question is, what is dad doing? And it's like deer in the headlights. Like that question has never been asked. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, you know, along with, with the protocol, it wasn't just for me or for you. It's for both of us. And something that you have found clinically is that when both parties are not on board, you're not going to get the outcome that you're looking for. No, it's a it's not, a frustrating struggle for everyone. Right. It takes two to tango. And two to make a baby. And there you go. <laughs> that's, so. that's your takeaway from today. 
Okay. Yes. I didn't talk about bears. No, no bears. I know y'all been waiting for the bear talk again. <laughs> they're not. They're not the coming bears in and today. The bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. So we know we know that there's so much opportunity and responsibility for the men, yet all the focus is on the woman. And if we do happen to take the man into consideration, the conventional testing is a sperm analysis. Oh, this is crazy. The sperm analysis where when they look under a microscope, they are looking for um, how the sperm move, the shape, and a passing grade for this sperm analysis is 4% of the sperm look good. They are the right shape and they can move there, in a in a forward motion. There is an Instagram account, and I need to. I think I sent it to you, where you this send lady. Me a lot of reels. Every, I do, <laughs> I do, but some of them are actually relevant to what we're talking about. Yes. And there was this lady. Uh, I think she's a doctor. I'm not sure. Uh, I've just seen some of her videos a couple of times, but she showed a like passing level of the sperm sample versus like what she called super sperm. Right. And I feel like super sperm should be the standard. That is, that is optimal. Right. However, what we're seeing more and more because the, the rate of sperm in men is drastically declining. Like it is dropping and there's not a lot of attention on that. Um, and so we are normalizing and saying, it's okay that I mean, if you look at this slides, it, it's wild. You yeah. look at this you one, can, you can like, easily tell which is, one is, is anyone even there? And the other one, they're like, we're having a party and that's the sperm that I want. The one that's very active. There's it, you just, you can see when you look at it, it just looks healthy. They're dancing. They're dancing. And the other one, they're struggling. And so bumping into walls if, and <laughs> The, the conventional testing is that sperm analysis. And, and so, so they'll say that if 4% look good, then you're then you're good. You're cleared. Versus you told me a story one time of a pig farmer. Was it a pig farmer? Uh, who, yeah, he he breeds um, pigs. So he sells, and you ask, he yeah. sells, sells pig sperm. Okay. Pigs. And okay. I asked him what percentage was uh, was he looking for in a sample before he sold it out. And he said he went through the same process that they do with a sperm analysis for a human um, where they look at it under the slide. And he said, I like at least 60 percent to be looking real good. And knowing that in humans, it's 4 percent. I said, so would you sell something that only 4 percent were passing? And he was like offended. (laughs) How dare you? Because absolutely not. And with pigs, we know this, um, there's with studs, people pay a bunch of money to get a well-bred, cared-for male horse. Or a bull. Or a bull. Yeah. Or even with dogs. I mean, like if you're breeding a dog. So all of these, in the animal world, we know. We know the importance. And we're not just going to take some random animal that eats a McDonald's and lays around on the couch all day oh, wow. and say, that's who I want to be the father of whatever animal we're breeding and we're going to sell because we want the best health, the highest quality. Yet in the human world, 4% and that's all we look at. So that's a pretty drastic difference. Big difference. It's been a while since I've taken math, but I feel like 
That's different. A 56. You said 4% versus 60. 4%, yes. So 56. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. I know. (laughs) That was great. I did that in my head. (laughs) You use your fingers or toes or anything? No. And you might be wondering, well, what are they doing with their hands right now? (laughs) Well, uh, since you asked. Yes. We're making some, some Santa beanies. And uh, these guys look a little. Coming. I was going to wear mine. Are oh, you okay. Put it on well, this one, I feel like it would fit on this guy right here. Yes. It'd be real festive. Yes. I mean, I'll wear it too. Okay. But uh, if any of y'all crochet, I tell you what, and again, we're not sponsored yet. <laughs> these furls, hooks, F U R L S. Let me grab the box. Furls. They've got these ergonomic designs. Mm-hmm. And. One day uh, when we were working on my sweater, which was showcased in episode one, yes, um, I left the, the hook at home when I brought it up here and I was using that thing, which is like just cramp my hand up immediately. So I don't know how you just have stronger wrists than I do. That's what it is. <laughs> you can ask any of our patients. <laughs> but so if anybody crochets, they have wrist or hand issues, carpal tunnel, anything like that, and you don't want to give up the the craft or the hobby, check out Furl's Hooks. They are not the cheapest hook out there, but um, they are very nice. Furl's, not the cheapest, but very nice. Yeah. I've also seen people put uh, like a tennis ball, mm-hmm. cram it on the back of there. I digress. A little bit. Where, where were we? <laughs> Yep. We were talking about the sperm analysis and how yep. it, it's just not a complete look at your health status. So even That's if you true. do pass and you, even if you're You don't know what your A1C looks like. Exactly. Your blood sugar, which is affecting your children's blood sugar, your vitamin D status, your overall health is more than just that one test. So that's where the Schaefer protocol comes in because it is, it is an approach that looks at building foundational health for everyone so in a perfect world the woman and the man are both preparing for this pregnancy and so it's not just that the woman takes the prenatal and gets adjusted and um, make sure that she's in a good headspace blah 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 it is that together you guys are preparing and you are preparing physically emotionally mentally that your relationship is being prepared for your family to grow. There's there's so much more to it than just you passed a semen analysis and I know that I ovulate, so let's make a baby. So the Schaefer Protocol has eight essentials. There's chiropractic, which addresses... You know a couple of good ones. <laughs> it addresses the communication between the brain and the rest of the body through the nervous system. So if we don't have that nervous system connection then you can do all the other things right and you are going to fall short and not be able to function as well as if your nervous system was functioning without interference. Then there's glycosylation, which is something that this protocol, I believe, makes it unique because I have not seen this in any other fertility, health, any other protocol out there. So glycosylation is cellular communication. So like... In chiropractic, we have that communication with the brain and the rest of the body. Glycosylation is communication from cell to cell. So if we don't support that and there are gaps at the cellular level, which affects the tissue, which affects the organ, which affects the system, which affects the person, then again, we're going to have 
gaps and not function as well as we could and should. Then there is hydration. Mm-hmm. There's movement. There's real food. Oh, there's your cup. Yep. And we, if you guys are checking out the sticker here, and you're like, which I'm sure you are, I bet you are. You know, I placed it there, kind of front and center. We have some at the clinic. You just go ask Shelly or Claire. Mm-hmm. We've got some extra stickers. So and what do they say? Epsom Salt Bay. Epsom Salt Bay. There you yeah. go. I'm kind of known for my Epsom Salt recommendation. A little bit. A little bit. Um, and so also I, putting my face on everything that we own. That is, <laughs> you're very well known for that too. So I said hydration. chiropractic, glycosylation, hydration, movement, real food, essential nutrients that you can't get from diet alone. Why can't you get all of your nutrients just from your diet alone? Because it, the soil is yep. so depleted. And if it's not in the soil, it can't be in the foods. And so you can eat the most organic whole food diet, which the the more you can do that, the better. Mm-hmm. However, there are limitations to how many nutrients you can get that way just because it's not in the soil anymore yeah. to the levels that it used to be. Well, and then there's pesticides there's and herbicides pesticides. and all those They other did one study so. and looked at vitamin C levels and the, vi- the vitamin C in an orange today versus one that your grandparents ate, you have to eat eight oranges today to equal the vitamin C that your grandparents got from one orange. And if oranges are expensive as the rest of the fruit that I buy from the store is, that's <laughs> that's a lot. That's crazy. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So there are essential nutrients. There are some supplements through the protocol. And then rest, which is not just sleep. And then the last one is empowerment. And that's, you kind of touched on that in the last episode, the headspace. Mm. Because we, um, our, our mind is so powerful. And there is a physiological response for every thought that we have. So what we are focused on is what we'll see more of. So when you are planning on growing your family, if you are focused on, oh, man, there's chemicals and the pe- there's the pesticides and I'm not sleeping enough and all, all of the things that you can get wrapped up in, as, especially as you are um, attempting to make good choices, kind of the, the more you know, the less you wish you knew. Yeah, which because, are all true statements. You know, yes. it's all true things, but... It's, it's affecting your body as well. Mm-hmm. And so but what, yes, what you're thinking about all of those things. So just as, as the chemicals or the sugar or, um, not moving your body is having an effect, how you're thinking about all of those things mm-hmm. is also affecting your body. So the protocol takes those eight essentials and it, then, and they're not things that are groundbreaking. Like <clears throat> I'm not going to be the first one to tell you, you should drink water. Wow. Yeah, like we all know that. We know vitamin D is good for us. We know that we should move our body. Like this is not. It's not rocket science. It's not something you've never heard before, and it's not. I tell my kids sometimes. Incredibly <laughs> complicated. Uh, it's very simple. Yeah. And the protocol puts it together in a synergistic and sustainable way. The issue is that simple doesn't mean easy, <clears throat> because it is. They are lifestyle changes. And yep. we are creatures of habit, and so we get used to what we're used to. So the protocol is a framework and approach to build sustainable, healthy habits in your life. And it starts with where you are today. And so it's not, I've, I have never 
I'm a couch potato and I never move. Okay, we're going to do a, a marathon training. Wouldn't recommend it. No. <laughs> As someone who has I, trained I for a marathon. I have tried for that. It's uh, not that you can't train for a marathon, but <laughs> it should be done wisely and not rushed. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the saying goes, if you do what you always if you do what you have always done, you'll get what you've always got. Exactly. And so these even seemingly small changes can have huge effects. Um, and it may take a little bit of time because what is it, 60 days for? It takes 60 days for sperm to turn sperm. over, 120 days for an egg to go through its final maturation process. And, and red blood cells. 120 days for, for a red blood cell to yeah. go through its full cycle. So seven years for your whole body to mm -hmm. yeah each each cell and organ they all have different timelines that they're regenerating and so things that you're doing today are things that you're doing for your future self and so that might be positive things that your future self is going to thank you for or we might be sitting here today talking to past self and saying thanks a lot because of the choices that you made. That's a future Daniel problem. Yeah. <laughs> Think about your future self when you're making your decisions. But uh, with this protocol, one of the beautiful things about it is that the goal is not perfection. The goal is not to 100% execute what is in this protocol that I am I am perfect in every essential. I am always hydrated. I am always moving. You know, and if you waited for that to happen, you would you would never never do pregnant. anything. <laughs> yep. You'd never do anything because perfection is just not possible. And this is more about there. There really aren't endpoints. There are more progress points. And so it's a process of figuring out where you are today and what the next step is to move forward. So it's not change everything in your life today, but more what is one thing we can do that moves you toward the goal that you're working toward? I can dig it. <laughs> you can dig it. <clears throat> so your experience with the protocol, because I implemented the protocol before our second pregnancy. Right. And we saw changes with that. We did. And I felt great. I still had some morning sickness, which we can we know we can blame on Daniel. Right. I'll take it. <laughs> At least because 50 the research shows for me. Well, and the research shows that his genes are what build the placenta. And so when we were ready to have our third and fourth babies, uh, we had this conversation and it was kind of like, look, if we're gonna do this, let's do it. And I think it's fair to say that that your mindset going into it was whatever I, I did it because more or less I was told to you know voluntold yeah, voluntold <laughs> I I started doing it to well this is also I started fasting to that was to about, show that you. was the same time though yeah it was the same time so I started doing that and then so the supplements have you just ever to like get you recommended off something for your spouse case and they um, ignore you and then they hear it from someone else. It's probably Joe Rogan. And they come in and say, oh, my goodness, I just heard this groundbreaking news. About intermittent fasting. and It's really hard to not. You did it like a year prior and yeah. was successful <laughs> with it. And I'm like. So, yeah. So what had happened with the intermittent fasting is I learned about the effects that it has on your blood sugar and how blood sugar affects so much in your health. And so I said, Daniel. I would love for you to look into fasting. And he's like, okay. 
And, and I didn't. He didn't. And then I let a month or so go by, and I asked him, have you looked into blood sugar, into um, fasting and the effects on blood sugar? I still hadn't. And he hadn't. And so um, a couple more months, and I said, I would just really love if you would look into this. And he said, fine, I'll do it. And I said, no, do not fast. I want you to look into fasting. And he's like, I'm doing it. So cold turkey, I did it. <laughs> I felt terrible the first two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And then I started feeling a lot better, you know? Who'd have thunk? <laughs> Not me. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> and uh, so I, when I recommend fasting, um, especially for the dads, then I give them a general kind of guideline of what I would do. I wouldn't just kind of go quite as... Just jump in. Yeah. The biggest thing you can do, I think, is just eat three meals a day. Mm, uh, not the snacks. Yeah, snacking and then quit eating after dinner Mm. like if you're hungry drink some water or some tea or something like that Um, with lots of sugar oh no no okay so now here's the thing i'm gonna say no sugar no diet even if it's zero calories my opinion is don't do it because even if it tastes sweet you it can trick your brain into thinking that you need insulin and it, it can um you know it's like the pavlog dog they just rang a bell, and then the dog started salivating. And so if you taste something sweet, your body could think, not everyone, but I feel like if you're doing all that work to fast, just fast. And don't risk throwing it off. Yeah. If you want to have a drink, um, then do it with lunch or dinner. And I do think it's easiest to skip breakfast because uh, the earlier in the day – I know this sounds obvious, but the earlier in the day I start eating – the more I'm able to eat for the whole day. Uh, but what I mean by that is it's it's just I'll eat so much more food than I normally would if I start eating at 7 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. versus if I wait till 1 o'clock and then just have dinner. And some days I it feels like I don't hardly eat anything because my body is, uh, when I'm fasting, it's just breaking the fat down for fuel. Yeah. So when yeah. you de- when you decided, okay, fine, I'm going to do intermittent fasting. Then I did it. I went crazy on it and lost 70 pounds in six months or something like that. And, and uh, how did you feel? I felt better. Yeah. A little. You know, I mean, you were, nothing to talk okay, home about. But, but no, how I, were you I felt feeling walking around the table in the clinic before? So, right. So I was, uh, I would get winded. And if you guys have seen us adjust, like uh, we're just... We're not doing laps in here. We're just kind of walking around the table. <laughs> and I would get winded just walking around the table all day, uh, you know, and it's just a little ridiculous. Yeah. And then going home on the weekend trying to keep up with the kids, it's hard to keep up. Yeah, you guys that have kids, yeah. they just, they're nonstop. Yeah. It's lot. like a rolling, not a stopwatch. Is that a lyric? It's a Drake lyric. Okay. Yeah. So the Roly, the Rolex watch, it's an automatic movement watch, mm-hmm. and so the the second hand constantly goes oh. around versus a stopwatch. That's where kids. Yeah. You can start and stop. Kids are like a Roly, not a stopwatch. I'm not going to say the rest of it, but is it inappropriate? <laughs> I wouldn't play the song on Daniel. here, Daniel. <laughs> okay. So you did intermittent fasting. That was a big. Um, that was a big. That shift. was a big shift for you, and. I think one of the realizations um, that you had 
during that was because you could you would do so well, especially when you first started. When you were at clinic and you were busy and you were fasting, yeah. no issues. And then you would come home and you would say, these kids make me want to eat. <laughs> so it's not that they were driving you to drink, but they were driving <laughs> you to eat. Right. And so there was, it kind of... You see me off in the corner. Shone a light on that. Yesterday I was eating some of those protein balls the protein yeah the protein bites, bites. That, yeah <laughs> that i made yeah. and she just sees me i'm like yeah like a little bit like an animal who's gotten caught oh, i'm doing i'm trying you yes know. you are but it was there was it was so eye-opening to see how stress affected me how stress affected and and the coping skill that that we didn't think anything of but just you would eat to pacify myself deal yeah, uh -huh, probably to, to be able to deal with them um better yeah and so and that's that's not just me i mean i feel no. like that's a lot of people that <laughs> you weirdo no it's not just <laughs> anyone you. else eat food to but help I don't... them feel better <laughs> yeah everyone does but yeah that's kind of what's different about this protocol is that it brought the the mindset the psychology part right. into it too because i don't think we would have had that awareness if we weren't open to having awareness yeah and so neither of us are like 100 percent. we aced the protocol and we did everything perfectly but just being mindful of the fact that the, the decisions the choices that we're making are affecting our health today and in the future and our future kids health that yeah. changes even if it's subconsciously that changes the the choices that you make well and even for our other two so let's say we never had any more kids ever I still think it's important mm. to take because your health we're already as a, parents. Yeah. Yes, and to be the best version of ourselves for the children we already have. For ourselves, for each other, mm. for our, for you guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, having having a doctor huffing and puffing around the table who's walking is not it's not a good look. not an optimal sign of health. Yes. Uh, and I'm the first to say it. Well, I guess Dr. Josiah was, but. <laughs> I didn't say anything about you. You brought that up first. <laughs> you said, well, what about walking around the oh, table? I, <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. I'm the first to say it today. But you are, you shared that with me. I did. Because yeah. I couldn't hear you from my side. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> there were patients that were but telling me. You guys, you're breathing too heavily. <laughs> did not happen, I hope. No, I don't think so. Okay, so you made those changes. I made those changes, and then, like you said, it affected. It affected our children we already had, right? Our future children, and then um, my pregnancy. Yeah, it changed how my because I didn't have any morning sickness with twins. And to recap from last time, if you guys know anything about twin pregnancy, if you Google it. Well, and if you just think, okay, one baby, you have X, Y, Z symptoms. Two, it it's seems like it's all going it to be, be worse. worse. Yeah. And I, I got bigger much faster. Much bigger. What? Much faster. I, I, I was I don't remember big. that. What? <laughs> I <laughs> didn't you, notice. Thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. But no morning sickness, no back pain. Um, what are all the uh, heartburn? I mean, I... Yeah. It was... If I wasn't so big, it would have been like I would forget that I was pregnant. You'd bump into people. <laughs> but, but I was so big, and I, yes, I bumped into everyone. And, and when you're I adjusting, more... and the, the, you just push into them. And it's yes. Like, Sorry. 
I had a lot more people touch my belly that time. Like one lady even walked by and she, she walked by and then she, this is when I was in Alabama for a seminar. She walked by and then she kind of saw me and she came back and she's like, boop. (laughs) She said, boop. And then walked away. I was like, what just happened to me? Um, I'm glad no one's ever done that to me. (laughs) Boop, boop. So I was much more noticeably pregnant. Um, but not with all of the symptoms that you would just assume would come. Right. And then you also assume that, that because it's so common that twin um, pregnancies are early, yep. that you don't carry full People term. People are shocked. 38 and 6? 38 and 6 with Evie. Okay. So I was in the ballpark. You were, yeah. You know. you were Third pre- I mean, the fact that I even know 38 weeks is... Yes, 38 and 4... This is four. me still... I need that praise that I didn't get. What was it, episode one or two? We talked about how little acknowledgement that I get when oh, I go out with the yes, twins. Oh, yes, yes. So, so. <laughs> so we're still looking for that. Okay. No, I don't. Uh, but, yeah, I carried them 38 and 4. I had a very smooth birth. Yeah. They were 7 pounds and 7'7". Seven, seven. Um, a whole lot of baby. A whole lot of baby, a giant placenta, and um, and they were breech. And so that's something that that's probably a whole nother podcast yeah. because um, our first was head down the whole time. The second one decided to go breach at 32 weeks. And we were like, this is what we help people with all the time. Um, and that one was just kind of a lesson. You, I think you went to a seminar. I had traveled. I was sitting in clinic and teaching classes. I was doing more than I needed to be doing, preparing yeah. for the birth of our second baby. Josiah is the kind of person that when you said, you say, hey, Josiah, she'll say yes to whatever. And I'm the opposite. <laughs> I'll say no. And I need a really good reason to say yes. I'm like, I've got too much stuff going on. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'll help you move your house. I'm like, you're pregnant. That means I have to move the house. And I have to try to recruit some help. <laughs> well, you do have a truck, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of automatic when you got that truck. I need to get a Suburban. Okay. All them um, kids. <laughs> so I okay. So they were breech or Evie was so breech. Stri- yeah. Yes, and I think there was a lesson in that that I had to learn that I was um, taking on too much. I was taking on too much. I wasn't focused on what was right in front of me, growing a baby, and so uh, she did. We did a lot of intervention. Not interventions. Yep. We did a lot of support. So acupuncture, we didn't, massage we didn't therapy, do an ECV, but we did all the things that babies. support and balance the body. All the things he just listed, Resting. and then two weeks later, she was just like, "Okay," Bloop. and went back head down, and that's how she was born. And then the twins, they were breech um, from at least twenty weeks on. Yeah. So Wouldn't baby like flip up baby A oh, stayed yeah. breech the whole time, okay. and then baby B would go that head down, Hannah. and then she'd be breech, and then head down and breech. Um, and so by beginning of third trimester, it was like, I don't think they're going to move. And so we had and some w- conversations. And you were doing everything. And I was, do- I was doing all the things. So it wasn't because, uh, yeah, it wasn't for, for lack of trying. Um, but I think all the work that we did with the protocol and just the place that we were in was what... And we trusted our providers. Yes, we we had chosen training intentionally our team, and um, so when it came to what do you want to do, we were able to look at benefits and risks, and um, just have a piece about knowing 
how we wanted to proceed with the birth. And so I don't, I think, I think that is because we were able to have that peace and go into that conversation and just be open to what, whatever needed to happen because of all the work that we had done before and where you and I were in our relationship, where we were with our providers who we had intentionally chosen. Um, and just knowing I didn't accidentally get pregnant and I was like living this crazy party lifestyle or, or whatever. So we don't, we don't know what's inside. You know us guys. (laughs) Yes. I saw this real earlier today, not to segue too much, but it's like, you people that don't drink on the weekends, what do you do? <laughs> well, and then the lady who was on the next part of the reel uh-huh. was like crocheting. Was crocheting. In her- <laughs> <laughs> As we crochet. That's, yes. So yeah, that to that's say, our party we knew our health status going into that pregnancy, which is a factor as well. We had been monitoring the babies and they were yeah. looking amazing the entire time. And so we were able, I think because of all the work that we did before and continue to do, we were able to have a piece about the decision that we did yeah and they were born at home and they were both breech and i didn't tear and it was a great time yeah yeah <laughs> a great time <laughs> it was a great time i loved it, was a great it. time for all of us yeah um and we were so, watching movies during well, and labor we went and we did yeah that's that's something we office. do um and we went into that one different because we went into evie's birth of more Zoe, our first was so hard, and so it was almost um, out over, of fear overshot that of, we made yeah. the decision that I made the decisions that I made, and so I was like, okay, I I want this to be better because it was so bad last night or last time, and we went into the third pregnancy not so much of we have to redo things and we want it to be better and we're afraid of having the same outcome, but it was more of the possibility and. What can happen when we both are healthy? Yeah. When we both are intentional going into a pregnancy, what is possible? Twins. <laughs> twins are possible. Now, again, we're not promising twins. <laughs> no. And everyone that's on your protocol, they're like, so. Everyone who's on my protocol twins? is a little <laughs> apprehensive initially because they were like, so, heard about the twins because we had them um, in Dr. Schaefer's office. There are, I think, I think the number is seven sets of twins right now. I thought it was more than that. I think it's seven. I okay. need to check with her and I see thought it was if, more if that than number that. is. So, well, 14 babies. And, but they're all? Identical. All identical. Yeah. yeah. They're all identical. So Are they all girls too? Yes. Okay. I think so. To double check with her. But I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's just kind of interesting. But, uh, yes, there is some some apprehension when someone starts working with me to do the protocol and they're like, mm, so these two babies. <laughs> All right. So not to be selfish, <laughs> but, um, another reason I made all those health choices and changes was because I saw how much better you were feeling when just you did the protocol mm-hmm. and, um, how much easier it is whenever there's two able parents, uh, with the kids versus if you were, if you were sick the whole pregnancy, and then I've got the other two that I'm taking care of, and I'm taking care of you. It's a lot. So you wanted I mean, me to be healthy for you. I, well, <laughs> I wanted to be healthy for you, for me, <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, thank you. Yeah, so, it does. Yes, it does sound selfish, but also. But it's true. It is. I mean, that's 
that's one of those because um, we see that a lot in clinic is that fortunately for a lot of our moms their husband steps up and yes my husband's doing bedtime now and yeah. doing the meals or whatever whatever she was doing more of before uh, because I can't get out of bed but that's not always the case and so that's real hard when a mom is struggling and especially that first trimester when we know mm, probably a big factor is dad and he's not doing anything to help you. Yeah. So we don't or love let, that. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got an odd schedule. So he okay. works at nighttime. Let's just okay. let's just say, you know, he's a great yeah. dad. No, I'm not saying let's he's not say. a great dad, but I think there is just a lot of. Um, Sometimes it's hard to let go of the things that, that you're used to doing. So moms have a hard time letting go yeah. and dads is just... They're not. They don't see what needs to be done. Right. It's, I think that's a fair. That's fair statement. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I'll take Both it. Both parties, ideally, are better at communicating. And she's saying, "I need help with this specifically," and he's saying, "Not uh, make a list for me, but just like using his eyes and says, okay, this load of laundry needs to be switched over.'" Yeah. Yeah. Now, what if I mix the? The colors and the and the whites and everything and we're just put gonna it on. see what happens. I think that is a risk I am willing to take. I overload it. Just don't shrink any of my nursing tops. Oh my! Otherwise, you are free to do the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. So, do we tell you this to say, do X Y Z? And, and then guarantee. you guarantee this outcome. Absolutely guarantee. not. There are no. no guarantees in life, and that is absolutely true in birth. However, you are influenced by the choices that you make. And so what you do today does affect your future, and it changes your journey. And not only where your starting point is for that pregnancy, but also the choices and how you prepare puts you in a better position to respond and adapt to whatever situation arises. Yeah. And, you know, parenthood is a shared journey. And that starts before conception. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times if, you know, I know we waited until after we were pregnant before we thought of like, oh, what are we doing? What are we going to do as parents? So... Okay, so uh, who was who was the doctor who um, used to teach the Webster? Larry Webster? No, 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 no. <laughs> Not who came. Jeannie the, Ohm? Yeah, Jeannie Ohm. So Jeannie Ohm, um, and oh my goodness, we need to find a link to this video. If you want to start crying, I mean, this is the video to make you cry. I know I had to leave the room whenever I saw is it. Is it the song? It's the, the African yes. tribe who they would, yes. So I'm not going to go into the full details because Josiah's going to no. turn. <laughs> I'll, I'll be okay. Tell, It'll be tell water me about work. it. So before the parents would even conceive, they would come up with this song for the child, and they would sing the song, and it was like the song of the child. And um, and then when they were ready with the song, then they would conceive, and they would sing the song all through pregnancy, and then they would sing it to the baby after. Sing it, sing it at birth. Yeah, they would sing even when the child was maybe a little bit older and they would act up and they weren't their authentic self of what, you know, because we all act up sometimes, then um, they would sing that song again and just try to... To remind re them who yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. 
so they were in that tribe they were considered parents when they went off to make make that song and i guess the decision to to write that song that's when they started their parenthood journey yeah peregrination their peregrination yeah so we'll try to find the link to that i know it's it's got to be on youtube or something but yeah it's so yeah get the tissues ready it is good to think about how it, it isn't just something that just happened one day. Like it is that journey. It's the whole process that begins before you're even pregnant. Yeah. And so it just makes sense to prepare for that and for all parties to prepare for that and not just separately, but preparing together. Yeah. Changes wow. everything. It did for us. Yeah. So, well, thank you all for joining us today. Mm -hmm. From us to you. Until next time. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye.